Hello and welcome to Nutritious, your guide to a healthier lifestyle. In today's episode, we'll be joined by Dr. Dominguez, a sports medicine orthopedic surgeon with over 15 years of experience and a graduate of Duke Medical School to explain the role nutrition plays in keeping healthy bones to prevent conditions like osteoarthritis. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Dominguez. Nice to have you here. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. So according to the CDC, around one in four U.S. adults have some form of arthritis, with osteoarthritis being the most common, affecting 32.5 million adults. With nutrition and lifestyle changes playing a big role in preventing bone disease, it's important we listen to Dr. Dominguez's valuable information he has for us today. So Dr. Dominguez, to get us started, how crucial are nutrients like calcium, vitamin D, and protein for maintaining healthy bones? Well, I mean, these are just basically in your food, um, and they are very important. Now, some foods that are more processed uh, will have less of them in there, or sometimes even more, just based on how they process them. But yeah, they're they're absolutely crucial elements uh, into uh, basically two different things that come into orthopedics, which is joint pain, which would be the arthritis you're talking about, as well as osteoporosis, which is actually the, the actual bone mineral density and structure of your bones, uh, which plays in later life and in, in preventing fracture care. Um, you know, basically, as you age, uh, you have less bone mineral density. And, and uh, when you fall, you know, there's that famous uh, almost become comical um, commercial where you fall and you can't get up. That's, a, that's supposed to be depicting a lady who broke her hip. So um, in and diet and those key, those nutrients you just uh, uh, mentioned are the ones that are key into preventing that osteoporosis or helping to at least slow down the process. And in your experience, have you observed a correlation between inflammatory foods and orthopedic issues or bone-related conditions? I think it's key to it, actually. Um, uh, absolutely have. Um, you know, there's always that that canary um kind of patient in the in the minds uh, so you know what that refers to is that you'll have at one point uh, someone do something uh, that is unexpected for you and it kind of warns you and it gives you this idea that really and truly um, the, the diet really does play in a very important role in how we feel and uh, not just how we look and weight and how that's related, um, but how uh, our joints react to uh, food almost in a uh, almost like real time scenario. Um, so I had this one patient who was about 450 pounds after going through gastric bypass surgery who had bilateral knee osteoarthritis. And just to kind of go into it, because it kind of gave a big which is good. Nice broad description of arthritis. There's there's different types of arthritis. There's um, inflammatory arthritis, crystalline arthritis, and then there's osteoarthritis. And we distinguish these by basically the the physiologic mechanisms that uh, that that are they're basically the predisposing causing agents. We've always assumed that the osteoarthritis classification was more of a wear and tear mechanical thing due to either excessive weight or trauma, and that that trauma over time causes the, the cells to eventually die out that lines the end of the bone, which eventually lend itself to having bone-on-bone -bone contact causing pain within the joint. Um, 
the inflammatory arthritis is like rheumatoid, psoriatic, and a whole list of other ones like Shrogan's and whatnot um, have also a role to play with diet, but aren't as prevalent as the osteoarthritis. And then there's crystalline arthritis, which um, is your gout and pseudo gouts, uh, which is directly related to diet. Actually, we always, <laughs> in fact, it's the number one thing. But however, we don't see it too much in orthopedics as far as treatment uh, other than diagnosis. So I'm going to kind of focus in on the osteoarthritis. So this gentleman was 450 pounds. He uh, basically came into my clinic with a severe osteoarthritis of both knees. So wear and tear arthritis is what we assume this uh, mechanism is. And uh, he was told by his primary care doctor, you have to have a knee replacement. There's no way around it. Uh, you're not going to be able to get around, uh, you know, your, your health depends on you being mobile. And it's in a, it, this is the paradox though, and the catch 22 in the sense that he's too heavy for us to actually perform the surgery. Um, we have really good data that shows that once you're above a BMI of 45, um, you actually are uh, predisposed to severe complications. Most surgeons are trying to stay away from people who have a BMI this high. Uh, the other assumption is that once you have your joint replacement, that that's going to facilitate weight loss. And we have studies that show the exact opposite, that actually once we do a knee replacement, it's like you're happier and somehow you're eating more. I don't know. But uh, it seems that the weight gain actually um, is what uh, is what happens afterwards. So people with um, uh, 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 elevated BMI have an even more elevated BMI after going joint replacement, even though they're mobile. So it's not necessarily hand in hand. And I think that it kind of goes into our assumptions of exercise being the main uh, key factor in, in weight loss. And I, I don't think so. I think it's diet. I think diet's probably 90% of it. Anyway, getting back to this patient, I um, I saw him and I said, hey, you know, that you're just too big. Uh, there's no way I can do this surgery um, ethically. I, I know that I could cause complications and the complication with a knee replacement is lifelong permanent. and would actually um, hasten your demise. You know, if, if it did happen and there's a bigger risk of it happening, even though it probably will go perfectly. Um, it's just the, the physiology of this. And he, he understood. He said, well, what can I do? I said, well, we can try these different injections and uh, we can try to change your diet. He goes, doc, I've failed two gastric bypasses. No amount of diet is going to help us. And, and I've been looking into things that would be anti-inflammatory. And I just basically kind of broke it down to him and said, try to, go on one of these purported anti-inflammatory diets. Um, at that point, I was looking at uh, a, a gentleman um, who had been, uh, who wrote uh, this book called The Plant Paradox named uh, Dr. Steve Gundry. And I recommended that. However, I found that, you know, as time goes on that, you know, that diet isn't one, it's hard to, hard to manage. Two was, it was just kind of a one, way and one method to obtain a, uh, an anti-inflammatory diet. Uh, but, it, you know, let's just say that uh, anti-inflammatory diet A was prescribed. And um, one month goes by, I see him back, and I, I, you know, it took me a while to get his actual injections ready to kind of alleviate his pain and hopefully help him with his, with his journey to try to decrease the amount of pain around his knee while he's trying to lose weight. And... Uh, I have him set up for his injections. I'm just about to give him the injection, and he's there. He's actually happy to see me. And and I say, and he goes, "Do I do I really 
need these injections? And I said, um, yeah, I mean, don't you want to get out of pain? He goes, Doc, ever since I started that diet, I'm not in pain at all. And this is a gentleman who has bone-on-bone osteoarthritis with crushing weight going through him. He goes, my pain is nil. Uh, I was I was astounded. And so I um, so I, I almost, you know, just to prove it to myself, I just followed him. So I followed him about every six months for about two years. Uh, and he kind of got in uh, about two years. He kind of got annoyed with me. And uh, he, he, had, he said to me, he's doc. I'm tired of going into what <laughs> appears to be your own interest in me as far as why the diet works so well. Um, I don't want to pay for <laughs> your your interest anymore because I, I feel fine. And uh, it was remarkable to me. I mean, yeah, two years I followed this gentleman. He lost a total of 60 pounds, uh, which isn't much based to, based on the fact that he's had, you know, gastric bypass. But it, it was more the diet truly affected his pain. And um, I since have put multiple people on this and seen very similar results. Uh, not just that diet. Um, ketogenic diets seem to be really the, kind of the key avoiding processed foods, um, things that um, metabolize or have basically high fructose corn syrup, which is another one that you really have to stay away from, but which is a processed food. Um, But there appears to be, um, in the end, what I kind of break it down for people is that eat the animals that eat eat from the ground and eat the plants that come from the ground. And... um, as long as you stay to that, you'll 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 do okay. Just stay away from anything that's second to that. Basically, taken from that and then manipulated to to taste better for you. And um, it it uh, it's 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 worked wonders for a lot of patients. It's not absolutely curative of all these things and aches and ailments. And also, um, the uh, compliance with it. If you were to measure just compliance, like if you were taking drug A, let's say. Um, it, it, it's not very high. Uh, it's very difficult to change these habits. There seems to be much more complicated um, uh, reinforcement going in the background. Uh, and, and of course, there's lots of disinformation out there about what is good and what's bad for you. Um, and honestly, it's even kept ambiguous to doctors. And I'll tell you that I'm not a certified nutritionist. I don't uh, try to ever, I tell people I'm not a nutritionist. I'm just saying, look into trying to decrease, uh, you know, inflammation by, you know, researching what diets are anti-inflammatory. And as a, as a basic rule, I tell them just, you know, eat what comes from the ground or eats what comes from the ground. Um, and, um, you know, when people do make those adjustments, though, I've seen even in my, my most severely obese patients with uh, like basically severe osteoarthritis, uh, their pain turns around. They have less pain uh, and it's noticeable. So basically when your patients are, you know, wanting to get nutrition information, you really just recommend they go to credible sources online and, um, uh, maintain that healthy BMI, that healthy body composition. So it doesn't affect their bone health. So BMI, um, you know, which is kind of a a crude way of looking at someone's uh, health or just their, their level of, of, um, and basically it's, it's a weight to height ratio. And so (laughs) 
it's been brought up multiple times that that shouldn't be your sole thing because it negates uh, people who have, you know, dense muscles who are mostly muscle. I mean, uh, you know, guys like Arnold Schwarzenegger are considered obese because mm-hmm. his height to weight ratio, you know, because muscle is much more dense and uh, he's going to weigh a whole lot for his, for his height, um, even though his lean body mass is much less. So there's a lot of nuances within um these sort of recommendations and it's important that bmi only be something that's kind of like a, a crude measurement almost like a thirty thousand foot view or just kind of eyeing it for for all intensive purposes um and more there's uh, there's much more to it than that uh just like there's much more to diet than you know the basics of what i just said so other metrics can also display and just to confirm that you know the body composition is good and all that so yeah yeah. Yeah. so moving on are there any ongoing research or developments in orthopedics and nutrition you find particularly exciting for your patients or your practice to try out it's actually uh they seem to be independent of each other um, so usually the research and nutrition uh, hardly ever mentions or really is uh, performed or being relevantly uh, studied in the field of orthopedics, meaning that the people in nutrition study nutrition, people in orthopedics study orthopedics. Um, so unfortunately, not really, unfortunately, uh, you know, most of orthopedic surgeons, they focus in on um, their craft, which is to do surgery and perform it well. And I think that's that's novel, but at the same time, I think that, um, you know, our patients just aren't uh, hip fractures or ACL tears, they're, they're whole people. And uh, we definitely need to kind of just focus in on helping them do something well, but also focus out to make sure that their whole uh, body is doing well as well. And uh, I think it, people look to us all the time for diet recommendations. Honestly, I think that um, we're ill-trained uh, when it comes to that uh, to recommendation. However, I can tell you that, you know, being in the practice of medicine, the art of medicine, um, you know, I have to do more than just my craft. Um, and, you know, uh, I've stumbled across these sort of things that have, that have definitely been at least enough of a uh, case report that would be substantial to, to report Um and I've, and I've shared my experiences with other phys- uh, physicians and internal medicine doctors, uh, specifically in family medicine doctors, and they've seen similar results. And lastly, do you have any other advice in regards to nutrition and lifestyle changes to prevent early onset arthritis? So, yes, uh, definitely um, osteoarthritis is multifactorial. I believe that uh, one affecting your diet will help out. Um, We have plenty of patients who lived a happy, healthy, active lifestyle that I see in their 90s and don't have osteoarthritis, which is absolutely remarkable. And the key to them is what I found is that they refrain from uh, eating processed foods. Um, that seems to be one of the key things you can do, uh, which seems to be also um, relevant when it comes to coronary artery disease and obesity and, and whatnot. The other um, part of this is that um, uh, 
ensuring that your activities and your and your are more uh, aligned with uh, keeping uh, motion going through your joints without impact. Um, activities such as swimming, uh, cycling are excellent for you. Um, whereas things that people would assume were good for you, like running, uh, is not as good for you when it comes to joint health. Uh, with some nuances, you know, uh, the motion helps out. And if you do have a healthy joint and it's done properly, it can be a good good thing. However, if you're already in a deficit and, um, you know, let's say you're in your mid 40s and you're trying to kind of get back on the on the on the, on the wagon and get back into health and you've kind of developed this joint pain, you're behind the eight ball. And by doing that activity, you're actually going to worsen your condition. So uh, it's important that uh, people, as life goes on to prevent these sort of things from happening, do things that keep their motion going through their joints at all times. So uh, the activities I always routinely recommend are uh, the two I just mentioned before, which is like swimming and cycling, but also things like yoga and Pilates, which help to keep the body uh, very well and balanced. Um, and if people just did that, they, they wouldn't hurt. They wouldn't see me. It'd be pretty awesome. I've never had a patient get hurt doing Pilates. Uh, that's the one that I always tell patients. I've never seen anybody come in hurt from Pilates. Uh, yoga, I see uh, very rarely, but does every every now and then creep its way in. But about 20% of my patients are runners. So it kind of gives you the, the reference, followed by just uh, impact activities, fun stuff like jujitsu, basketball, uh, football, uh, soccer is a big one, um, you know, baseball, all the fun sports that we play. Uh, but if you're doing an activity uh, that's one for wellness, it's um, cycling, swimming, Pilates, yoga, you're on the right path to joint health and, uh, and longevity. Well, thank you for your time for allowing me to interview you again today. Really yeah, appreciate sure. it. And as a reminder, if you have any questions regarding this episode or any others, please feel free to fill out the Google form in the podcast bio. And if you want to stay updated on future episodes, please stay subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to get notified when the next episode gets released. With that, I'm your host, Arnav Jane, and thank you for tuning into Nutritious, your guide to a healthier lifestyle.